if you guys have your Bibles tonight, which I'm sure you do, go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 5 as we continue our study on the life of Moses. It's been awesome as we have begun the book of Exodus as we look into Moses' life to see God speak to us through him speaking to Moses and the children of Israel, through him speaking to even Pharaoh. Let me begin this evening with reading the first nine verses of chapter five, being that we covered those verses last week. We're gonna read these verses and then jump into the study tonight. It says in Exodus chapter five, verse one, afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, let the, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God. Lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with sword. Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. So the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and the officers, saying, you shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And you shall lay on them the quota of bricks which they made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on the men, that they may labor in it, and let them not regard false words. So this is the background of our account tonight. Moses was commissioned by the Lord himself. Moses was sent to be the redeemer, to lead the children of Israel into redemption as God is the redeemer. Moses was going to be used as a prophet, as a leader to them. Now, Moses, before God had anointed and appointed him to do this task, sought to do this on his own. He sought to liberate the Israelites while he was still in Egypt in his younger age. And in doing so, he ended up murdering an Egyptian, tried to hide him and bury him. And he was unsuccessful and ended up fleeing from Egypt and hiding on the backside of a mountain. But the Lord was using this time in Moses' life for preparation. You see, Moses, as I, I've said 
throughout the book of Exodus, one of the characteristics of Moses is his life being in sets of 40 years. 40 years in Egypt, 40 years on the backside of a mountain, and then 40 years leading the children of Israel through the wilderness. So now commissioned by God himself to go to Pharaoh and to tell Pharaoh to let the people go out of Egypt to worship the Lord in the wilderness, he takes Aaron with him. And he was afraid because he had a speech impediment. He, he felt he wasn't eloquent in his speech, so he begged the Lord to send somebody else. But the Lord said, Aaron is going to go with you. And then as the two of them now have approached Pharaoh for the first time and said, let my people go, he's saying, who's the Lord? You see, Moses is returning to a place that he grew up in. And he has purpose in his heart 40 years later and he's telling Pharaoh to his face. I see boldness in Moses here to be able to go to this leader and tell them to let the Israelites go. That was only because the Lord was on his side. And Pharaoh said, I, I don't know the Lord. But what's interesting is Pharaoh is going to learn much of the Lord and the Lord's miracles. Now, in the, the, the verses we read, in verse 6 and 8, there's a movement taking place for the Israelites to worship their God. But whenever you see a movement of God, a work of the Holy Spirit, be sure that you're also going to see a counter-movement taking place from the, the enemy, from Satan, to hinder the work of God. So whenever you see a work of God, be ready for a counter-move from the enemy. In verse 20, I'm sorry, verse 10, And the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go, get yourself straw where you can find it. Yet none of your work will be reduced. You see, Pharaoh here, he wants to keep them busy. He sees people are starting to complain, so he tries to give them busy work. Now, it is a method of Satan to have God's people busy doing what God has not called them to. See, often we find ourselves attempting to complete the work of God in our own strength and our own methods. And a lot of times we're doing good things, but improperly. We're not doing them with the power of the Holy Spirit. We find ourselves not having that abiding relationship with God. And the works of man and the works of mankind, even in the church, when it's without God, it's harmful. You see, the law, the Bible, the Bible has the power of condemnation with it, the word of God. And when we are without the Holy Spirit in us, 
I'd be uh, afraid to be going against the perfection of the law. I need Jesus in my life to make me whole. You see, I'm a sinner. And without Jesus abiding in me, then I'm met with the law. But thank Christ, thank God, Christ has freed us from the law. When at a time we were slaves to sin, when Christ came into our life, we became a slave to righteousness, the Bible teaches us. So when we are moving and busy doing work, stop and, and discern whether this is the work of the Lord through you or whether it's your own work. Remember Jesus, what we just read on Sunday? He said, I must be about my father's business. And so must we be about our heavenly father's business. In verse 12, so the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when there was straw. So Pharaoh's not messing around. When they come to him with this complaint or this request to go worship the Lord, he makes life hard for them. He says, oh, instead of the Egyptians gathering straw, you guys are going to have to gather your own straw to make brick. Now, what's interesting about this verse is archaeologists, they have found structures in Egypt made with bricks and straw, even to the point where they have found buildings that some of the top layer of the bricks were, I'm sorry, the bottom layer of the bricks were made with straw And then as you go higher up, they're made without straw. And then you go higher up and they're made with straw again, all in one building. And we speculate if that was one of the buildings that these these Israelites were making and then they had to take the straw away. There's even papyrus scrolls documenting the work of the buildings that they had with straw and mud. And with this, we see the cruelty of Pharaoh. You see, Pharaoh, again, he's the symbol of Satan in our life, desiring to keep us bound and in chains. You see, the enemy hates us. And Satan, the Bible teaches, is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So the Bible teaches us because of that, we must be soberly minded. So Satan desires to keep us bound, and so is Pharaoh to these Israelites. Look at verse 14. Also the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as before? Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why are you dealing thus with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants. And they say to us, Make brick. 
and indeed your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. So now the Israelites, they're told that they need to make the same amount of bricks, but they don't have the straw anymore, so their production is low. So they go to the Egyptian taskmasters and they're saying, hey, why are you guys doing this to us? This is your fault. They're, they're saying, Egyptians, why are you guys expecting us to do the same amount of work? And we speculate that they didn't know that Moses and Aaron had already spoken to Pharaoh and increased their burden. Now in verse 17, but he said, you are idle, idle. Therefore, you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore, go now and work, for no straw shall be given you, yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble. After it was said, you shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron, who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, Let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, to put a sword in their hand to kill us. You see, this is an interesting part of this account. Now the Israelites, after hearing that the taskmasters are saying, look, we're not going to give you straw. You guys are idle. You guys are lazy. You guys are complaining. They go to, Pharaoh, to Moses and Aaron, and they realize that it was Moses and Aaron who told Pharaoh, let my people go. And they realize that this is now a consequence for that. And so they're now complaining against Moses and Aaron. Now, here's something to note that I found really interesting about this account. Moses and Aaron were obeying the Lord. They were in obedience to God. The Lord spoke to them, and immediately they, they both go to Pharaoh, and they request, let my people go. Now, Pharaoh's response is to bring trials upon the Israelites. And then the Israelites' response is to return to Moses and Aaron complaining. You see, I recognize that there are times when leaders are hearing from the Lord and are obedient. But because of trials that come, it will cause these leaders who are obeying the Lord to be misunderstood to be mocked and to be hated, to be questioned, to be betrayed. I recognize that we need to pray for our spiritual leaders. We need to pray for the church. This past 10 months, we've been seeing leaders taken to court, put on trial. Right now, there is a, a pastor of Calvary Chapel, San Jose, who was facing jail time and also a, a fine of a million dollars for keeping his church open. Him and his 
a high school pastor, both. And they have a large congregation. Now, recently, they just passed that he won't have to face jail time, but there's another ruling coming up this Thursday to determine whether or not they're going to have to pay that fine. So I encourage you guys to pray for him. Pray for Mike McClure at Calvary Chapel San Jose. But there's so many more. We've seen churches were, were hit with, with COVID. The whole world was. And the leaders were looked at, and some of them despised for keeping their doors open. And some of them were even the ones who were obedient to the Lord and closed the door. Even some of them were despised. I'm not here to sit and judge what God has spoken to these men. But I know that we need to be praying for them. I'm reminded how in the life of David, one of the major lessons in David's life is that we were not supposed to go against the Lord's anointed. How David would not dare strike Saul, King Saul, even though Saul was trying to kill David. David would not dare strike the King Saul because God had anointed him to be king over Israel for a time. So an encouragement for us, you know, perhaps you're going to see leaders and you're not going to, church leaders, and you're not going to understand their methods. But we need to be careful. Now, there is definitely a fine line between obedience to the Lord and someone who's teaching false doctrine. So we need to use discernment and prayer. But here again, the people are complaining against Moses and against Aaron. Look at verse 22. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. Now here, Moses is doubting God's plan. He's saying, God, you're bringing trials now. But something that we notice that is different in Moses' response, rather than Moses going to man, he goes directly to God. See, the Israelites, they went to Moses with their complaints. But we need to go to God. Sometimes we have a, a complaint against a family member, a friend, a coworker, and we're just like, man, I just, I need to get this complaint and I need to throw it in their face. I need to tell them how they wronged me. I need to tell them and set them straight. I need to be judged. But I think we need to go to God first. You know, God might, in fact, set you on a path that tells you, you know what? You need to pray for them before you say anything. You need to, to wait and see if that's really what God wants you to do to even speak on the matter. Now, God already told Moses that Pharaoh was going to have a hardened heart. He told Moses that it was going to be with, met with trials. 
See, I'm reminded that we're promised trials in our life. Jesus said, you're going to have tribulation in this life. That's one of those promises that I wish was not in the Bible, but it is. And you know what? The Lord uses these things in our life to get us to be closer to him in a closer, deeper relationship with him to prepare us. And sometimes we don't know all the answers like Job. Sometimes God doesn't tell us all the reasons why trials come. So we have to trust that he is sovereign, that he's good, that he loves us, that he has a plan for our life. You see, the Israelites were looking at the results of Moses and Aaron's obedience and they were dissatisfied. Instead of looking at Moses and Aaron's obedience and being rejoiced because they were obedient. You see, that's what we need to have in our own heart and in our own mind. We need to be rejoicing over the fact that we are obedient to God rather than on the outcome of our obedience to God. And when you apply that to your life, suddenly you're not so worried about the outcome, the results, or how grand your pursuit was and what it resulted in. Who came to know the Lord and who didn't and how many people showed up or how many people didn't or how great your work was. You know what? When you're obedient to the Lord, you have that abiding presence, you're living your purpose-filled life, you're content, and you're, you're able to go forward and to grow. So may we be obedient. On to chapter 6, verse 1, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will let them go. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. Note all the times here that God is going to speak of himself and the work that he is doing. You see, Moses needs to learn that he alone cannot fulfill this task that God has given him. And the difference between what Moses was trying to do in his younger age by himself Versus what God can do through Moses is a world of difference. See, oftentimes God will even allow us to get to that point where the work that he's called us to do is impossible by ourselves so that we can learn to surrender to him. And then God, usually at that moment when we surrender, you see him move mightily. Just this week, I've been experiencing plans, big plans that the Lord has allowed me to see that, you know what? A man plans, but the Lord directs his steps. See, I can make these plans and get so uh, invested in them. But then the Lord, when he steps in and he decides he wants to change all of them, I could get upset and be angry. 
Or I could surrender to the Lord and my plans and say, you know what, Lord? You work all things for good. So may I trust you in this. And with that, suddenly I'm, I'm free from my own flesh, my own anxiety on what I want to be done. There's pursuits and ministries in my life. Certain avenues, the podcast that I, I've brought before the Lord and said, Lord, you know what? If you want to, us to continue in this, we will, as long as you want, as long as you desire. But if the Lord should close the door on any of these, by all means, I want God to take it. And I want to surrender those things to him. There was a, a missionary, Jim Elliott, who died preaching the gospel to natives in, in South America. And there was something that Jim Elliott said that has always stuck with me. He said, a man is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep in order to gain that which he cannot lose. A man is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. You see, when we give up the things of this world, this life, that's going to go. That's going to fade away. It's all going to burn. But if we hold on to Christ and to salvation, that's something that cannot be taken from us. It's something we cannot lose. May that be true in our life. His wife, Elizabeth Elliot, was the one who quoted that we should never hold on to something so tightly that when God asks it of us, that we're not able to let it go. May we surrender to the Lord all things. You see, in surrendering to the Lord, we allow the Holy Spirit to do the work. See, it's not by power, nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We can't do God's work in our own strength. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus also said, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you are spirit they are life in John 6, 63. So now what Moses is doing now that the Lord has prepared him, he's starting to submit to the Lord's spirit, just taking over. We're going to see the miracles that God is going to do through this happening. In verse two, and God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. So in these verses, we have a few titles of the Lord. We have the all capital L-O-R-D. 
which is we know is Jehovah, y'all becoming one. But we also have in verse 3, God Almighty, which in Hebrew is Al Shaddai, Al Shaddai, God Almighty. There's songs with that name in it. You see in these verses what God is telling Moses. He's saying, look, I'm the all-becoming one. I appeared to your ancestors over 400 years ago. I had these covenants with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. And they knew me by the all-becoming one. But he says, but I was not known to them. Now, this is what's interesting. They knew them as God is God Almighty, but they didn't know the all-becoming one in the sense that they didn't know him the way Moses is about to know and experience God. Because they saw certain miracles happen in their life. They saw Abraham saw a child being born after he was very old, 100 years old. But they didn't see the Red Sea parted. They didn't see the plagues come upon Egypt like Moses is going to see. They didn't see manna come down from heaven, a, a pillar of fire and a cloud to watch over the Israelites. Moses is going to know and understand God in a way that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did not know God during their human life. In verse 4, I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. You see, God gave Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob this covenant promise. That word covenant, it it means promise. And he's fulfilled those promises to them. Now, something that's awesome about the the covenant that they had. He was promising them the land of Israel, their redemption. But how much better of a covenant that we have, that Jesus, that God has given us a covenant of salvation, that Jesus is that finished work See, our covenant isn't based on animal sacrifice and all the law and its works, but our covenant is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection. It gives us a whole new life, and this we see is God's promises being answered in our life. From these verses 4 and 5, we see God's promises in the word covenant. We also see in verse 5 that he hears the groaning of the children of Israel. So God promises. God hears. And we also see on the end of verse 5, he said, I have remembered my covenant. So God promises, God hears, and God remembers. You see, if God promises, hears, and remembers, I know that when I pray, God is faithful. Whether it be a yes, a wait, a no, God is faithful. 
I'm encouraged in prayer by Luke's gospel, chapter 11, verses 9 through 13. Luke writes, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. How beautiful is that? May we pray, may we ask, may we seek, may we knock. The Father desires to give us these spiritual blessings. May we be open to receive them. Again in verse 6. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. That verse is why I picked that song forever today. With a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm, his love endures forever. Verse 7, I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. In these verses here, the phrase I will is used seven times of God in those three verses. You see, God does the work, so let him do it. Stop with all your plans, with all your programs, with all your devices to try to do the work of God, whether it be of your making yourself righteous, of making yourself moral, of making yourself a better life, success, fame, glamour, all those things, do away with them. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill you. Let God be God. I'm encouraged by this. I'm encouraged because I realize, you know what? With ministry, though I worry and fret sometimes of how things are, go- how bad my performance is, how unskillful I am at being on top of things. And I ask God, you know what, Lord? He reminds me. He says, Salvador, whose church is it? And I have to respond, Lord, it's your church. And he says, then why are you worrying? I'm going to take care of my church. And it's true. We need to let God do the work. In verse 9, so Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they did not heed Moses because of anguish, of spirit, and cruel bondage. Now here's a little bit of an insight to what was going on in the lives of the children of Israel during this season and why they weren't necessarily jumping on board with Moses and Aaron and what God was telling them. You see, they didn't trust the Lord yet. 
they had a, a lack of faith in their God. And there was a reason. This reason is actually given to us in Ezekiel's prophecies. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 20, verses 6 through 9, Ezekiel details, he prophesies of what the Lord was telling the children of Israel. In Ezekiel 20, verse 6, it says, On that day I raised my hand in an oath to them to bring them out of the land of Egypt into a land that I had searched out for them, flowing with milk and honey, the glory of all lands. Then I said to them, Each of you throw away the abominations which are before his eyes and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. But they rebelled against me and would not obey me. They did not at all cast away the abominations which were before their eyes, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I said, I will pour out my fury on them and fulfill my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. But I acted for my name's sake that it should not be profaned before the Gentiles among whom they were in and whose sight I had made myself known to them to bring them out of the land of Egypt." So the Lord told Ezekiel, he said, Ezekiel, the Israelites in their time, in their captivity in Egypt, they were following after idols. They were following after the pagan gods that the Egyptians worshipped. And because of this, I desired to bring fury upon the children of Israel, but I didn't. And the reason why I didn't was because of my own namesake. I didn't want people to then begin to profane a holy God because they knew this was the children of Israel. So God was merciful to the Israelites. And he knew that he was still going to redeem and to bring Israel out of captivity. And God is still not done with Israel. God is still going to redeem them fully and completely. Their eyes are going to be opened and they will see that Jesus Christ is Lord. But I do see in this that there are times when God is merciful to us, not for our own sakes, but because he's a holy God. And he doesn't want us to profane him any more than we already are at times. So God is merciful in this. May we be rejoicing that God has been merciful in our lives. That there's times when we deserve judgment that God has relented from. There's times when we deserved the wrath of God that he said, you know what? I'm going to let them live. And all of this is part of God's love for us. God loves us very much. He desires that no one should enter into hell, the Bible teaches. 
but that all should come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. May we be so thankful and appreciative and grateful and live a life as such in obedience to the Lord because of his great mercy, his great love. God continues to speak to Moses in verse 10. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, go and tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, The children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. You see, here goes Moses again, thinking he's unskilled. See, we can't doubt God. And again, I'm reminded that the Israelites are still being led by God out of Egypt. We see God's, again, God's mercy. We know that the Israelites were not perfect people. They were sinners. They had idols in their life, especially being surrounded by the Egyptians with all their witchcraft. You see, I'm encouraged to exhort us tonight that if there are those things in our life that we need to remove, by God's grace, by his power, remove them. Get them out, get that out of your life so that you can be honest before man and God so that there can be nothing hindering you when you go out there to share with a loved one, to share with a family member, so that you can have that power of the Holy Spirit just moving through you. You see, because when we allow sin in our hearts and in our minds, it, it takes away our, our, our strength to preach the word, to share the word, to pray with someone because we begin to think, how can I, how, why should I share with someone if I'm not living it out myself? So may we not be that. May we not be those hypocrites. But may we ask the Holy Spirit to empower us to grow, to be able to be fully empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now that phrase that we just read, where Moses is saying, God, uh, Pharaoh is going to know that I'm uncircumcised of lips. That, that phrase, what it really means is it's unskilled. See, Moses, he was literally circumcised. We read about that earlier, how God had commanded that of him and his sons. But to be uncircumcised of lips, that means that Moses had a speech impediment. He, was, he would get anxious when he would try to talk. He, his words would mess up. But the Lord used him mightily. Now, the next several verses are some genealogy in verses 14 through verse 27. So we're going to do another hour study right now on all these names and their meanings. I hope you guys brought your, um, your pens and you're ready for this. I'm just kidding. We're actually going to skip it. 
I would encourage you on your own devotional time, go through and read these names. You'll be ministered to. You'll be blessed. But for the purpose of studying the life of Moses, we're going to skip to verse 28. It says, And it came to pass on the day that the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I am the Lord. Speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said before the Lord, But I am uncircumcised lips, and how shall Pharaoh heed me? Again. Remember, Moses wrote this book, and I find it funny how he wrote the same thing twice. You know what? But the Holy Spirit directed him in it. And we could see even through it that he was a man who this really was a problem for him. He felt, I can't talk, God. I wish he would have already had the New Testament where perhaps he would have read that in Romans 8, 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? In Matthew 19, verse 26, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Again, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 33. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are the God who hears, the God who remembers, the God who sees. And you see us now. Lord, if There are those listening this evening who need to get right with you, Father, on, on doubting you. If that's you tonight, pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I confess to you that I lack, I lack faith. Forgive me of my sin. Help my unbelief. May your Holy Spirit empower me. Help me not to do things in my flesh. I thank you for your son, Jesus. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. One more song tonight. And we will see you guys on Sunday morning in my house, the backyard at 1130.
Bless you.